0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take, it's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fennessy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Jula Lippmann, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes? Oh, yeah, it's coming back. First episode drops August 29th.
1: I was at the Emmys last night, went to some after parties. I am up bright and early recording. I've got producer Craig in here. We are going to do a little recap and some categories of what happened at the Emmys last night. Craig, were you watching?
0: I was, and I, I took a lavender bath to honor Jennifer Coolidge after I watched
1: the show. I was jealous of that. I was When she said that, I was like, wow, that actually sounds delightful.
0: Yeah, except what happened after didn't sound that delightful. <laughs>
1: We're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, yeah, she did dance to the playoff music, which was a, a big flex.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to Jennifer Coolidge later, but I wanted to ask you, being there, mm-hmm. what was it like? You know, compared to what the viewer experience was like at home. Well, any interesting things happen? I always wonder, like, if it's that much better to be there in person, or if the at home experience is actually better.
1: It's way worse for the most part. There there are exceptions. It Dep- depends on a couple factors, where your seat is. I happen to have pretty shitty seats for the Emmys. I got no seat respect at all kind of a bummer um at other shows i sometimes will get better seats if you're down in like the main area where you can like mingle with people and like talk and chat like then it's actually fun the golden globe's perfect example like everyone's sort of in the mix down below like where the where the tables are totally fun for the emmys like i was on the mezzanine like not great seats and you know you can kind of see what's going on but it it's It's not a good experience. Watching at home is probably better. Um, The only fun thing is like you get to hang during the commercials and chat with people and go to the bar or whatever. Uh, But the show itself, I mean, what did you think? Pretty piss poor. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty vanilla. It felt a little all over the place. Just like lack of ambition. Like what what are these shows doing? You know, like really you're opening with a montage of – breakdancers to classic TV shows, like that's the best that Hollywood can offer. All of these amazing creative people, some of the funniest people in the world are sitting in that audience and you're showing them breakdancers? in a two-minute Kia ad that was supposed to be funny? I just feel like they just play it safe with these award shows so often that it just becomes bland, boring, totally forgettable. We haven't seen the ratings yet, but I'm willing to bet, especially since there was a decent Monday Night Football game last night, I'm willing to bet they are going to be way down from these 7 million or so from last year.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. All right, do you want to get into who actually won the night, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, we, we can go through the actual rankings of of the outlets. I mean, obviously, the big, the big winner of the night is going to be HBO. They got 12 awards on the show. They won two of the top three series awards. They got limited series for White Lotus, which got 10 overall. They uh, they won the top drama series award for Succession. Then they got a bunch of other categories. Gene Smart won for Hacks. Um, they you know, had Zendaya a, won Zendaya won for Euphoria. Thirty seven awards total. But the interesting thing, and I would say the biggest winner of the night, is actually HBO's parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, because that company won forty eight. Emmys total, just destroying all the others. I mean, the closest, I think, is probably Netflix at 26 total Emmys. But Warner Brothers Discovery is HBO plus it's the Warner Brothers Studio. And most people wouldn't know this if you watch Apple, but Ted Lasso is actually produced by Warner Brothers, not by Apple. So Warner's gets all those Ted Lasso wins, four additional ones there. Warner Brothers also produces Abbott Elementary which got a couple of awards as well. So if you look at the you know big picture media companies vying against each other at the Emmys, it's Warner Brothers Discovery, and then it's everybody else.
0: So is there an executive who's doing the biggest victory lap this morning at Warner Brothers? Who gets the most credit?
1: David Zasloff is the CEO of Warner right. Brothers Discovery, but he only took over this year. So he's not actually responsible for any of the shows. I mean, the woman who runs Warner Brothers Television is a woman named Channing Dungey, So I think she does the victory lap for those shows. And it's Casey Blois at HBO. I mean, that guy is the powerhouse. He was thanked more than anybody else on stage. Yeah. They had a down year last year because Netflix had The Crown, which cleaned up and won the, the Drama Series Award but they HBO just totally reasserted itself this year.
0: So, who do you think was the most snubbed from last you know, night?
1: Biggest loser? Yeah. It's tough to say that because, you know, the the Emmys are divided up into the, the broadcast shows, the ones that are presented on the live telecast, and then there's the Creative Arts Awards, which is the, you know, below the line kind of technical and non-televised awards. And you were watching last night. If you're watching, you might have thought that Netflix was completely snubbed mm-hmm. because they only won three awards um, for, for Squid Game. And I think they got uh, Julia Garner for Ozark. But Netflix actually did okay at the Creative Arts Awards. They, they, um, they won 23 Emmys off camera plus the three last night, so 26 total. So I'm not going to say Netflix is a loser here. Um, I think probably the biggest loser is that show Only Murders in the Building, which I love and I thought would be a huge player. Last night, it won zero awards on the telecast. It won three offstage. It got Nathan Lane for guest actor and a couple of other things. But I thought Only Murders would be a bigger player at the Emmys.
0: I don't know. Part of me thinks that they're in the it's an honor just to be nominated category considering all of the great shows that they're up against.
1: Maybe. I just feel like Emmy voters are older and they they would appreciate legends like Steve Martin and Martin Short. I think part of the problem was both those guys were submitted as lead actors. Mm. So they were both nominated and they probably split the vote. So if one of them is like Martin Short had gone in supporting and Steve Martin was lead, they might have had a better chance of both of them winning. But they didn't.
0: Yeah, I think Stranger Things, I mean, they I, they had pretty much zero uh, limelight during the live telecast. I mean, I don't think Stranger Things won a single award on the telecast
1: and... They didn't, but they got some awards at the creative arts, which makes sense because the, you know, the appeal of that show in part is a lot of the special effects and the production value and how expensive it feels. So they did get some awards earlier and Netflix benefited that way. Um, it would have been nice to see that cast. I mean, there's, it's such a popular show that those fans didn't really have much to be excited about on the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you asked a random person on the street, what were the three biggest shows of 2022? I mean, Stranger Things is in there, and yet at the Emmys, very little recognition.
1: But the biggest show worldwide last year was Squid Game, and they did break through. I mean, that couldn't be another win of the night if you talk about who won. There's never been a foreign language show to get major Emmys, and they won lead actor for Lee Jung-jae, and then they won Best Directing. So there were two big awards on stage for Squid Game. Um, I think that, that that is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, 10, 15 years from now, that'll be a watershed moment because I think this opens the floodgates for other foreign language shows that may have a global following to get into the Emmys. It's kind of amazing that they haven't so far. It's been an American based TV award show, but now it'll be, I think, global.
0: Yeah, Lee Jung Jae became the first person from a foreign language show to win Best Actor in a Drama, which is cool to see. If you had to give out the award for kind of, who has the most promising future after tonight? Who would you give it to?
1: Most promising future is definitely Quinta Brunson, who is the creator and star of Abbott Elementary on ABC. That show, I mean, the applause in the room for her and for that show was louder than almost any of the others. And I think that the industry, there's a couple things working for it. First of all, it's a broadcast comedy And I think the industry is kind of rooting for broadcast shows because they're such an underdog these days. It's like, who's watching anything on broadcast, but this is a show that's legitimately funny, has an audience and she not only created it, but stars in it. I think it's a super diverse show and the industry is really getting behind that uh, right now. And I think that the people see her as a creator that could grow into, you know, the next Shonda Rhimes or someone who's going to have a 20, 30 year career. Um, And it's, legitimately funny like comedy people love that show so you have that industry support and the fact that this is the kind of show that could really benefit from emmy wins like they're going to promo the hell out of that it'll be on hulu in the new seasons premiering on abc so i think this show is probably going to get the biggest bump from the emmys and quinta will probably get the best spike personally from this as well
0: yeah, I mean, no network comedy has won best comedy since Modern Family in 2014. I wonder if Abbott Elementary can can buck that trend in the next few years. Was that like a conversation that went on, you know, in the after parties or during the commercials just about the fact that a network comedy has actually somehow come back and is rivaling these streaming shows?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, the uh, you got the sense in the room that people thought that Abbott Elementary might squeak out a series win over Ted Lasso. I never thought that was possible just because I know that once the Emmy voters anoint a show, they tend to re- keep voting for it year after year. And, you know, my thoughts on Ted Lasso are pretty widely known at this point. I didn't think this past season was that great or that funny. And I would have voted for either Only Murders or Abbott Elementary. But the voters predictably just went with what they know. Um, I did hear a bunch of people saying that they were, oh, I love Abbott Elementary. I, I really want them to win. And she did win a writing award. Quinta Brunson won for writing. And that is often what people see as like, you know, sort of the stealth best show. Like it's not as populist and, you know, people don't vote for it for the main one. But the stealth winner is usually the writing winner.
0: Yeah, it's like the rookie of the year. I mean, the fact that it's the first season of Abbott Elementary and they're already, you know, garnering awards is pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: I mean, this will be the big key if they can keep it up the second season. I mean, people wondered that about Hacks last year, whether Hacks could keep it up because they had a great run at last year's Emmys. And season two of Hacks was pretty good. I thought it was really good. Probably on par with the first. And Gene Smart, the star of that, of that show, ended up winning. They didn't get the across the board wins like, uh, like they did last year. But... They did get Gene Smart, and I think that was a big endorsement for that show.
0: Abbott Elementary is also playing a different game than all these other shows. They have to produce 24 episodes every single year, every fall. They need to come out with you know an episode every week. It's so much different than a show like Hacks.
1: Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak were joking about that on stage. They're like, you fuckers, you can do eight episodes and go off to your mansion while we were doing 23, 24 episodes of The Office every season. Um, it's a totally different game when you're doing that. I mean, that becomes a weekly Slog and they're right, like it's a very, very different thing. I mean, that's the thing about the late night category that everyone always bitches about. I mean, John Oliver wins every year in the late night category. The dude does 20 shows a season, like that's not comparable to what Colbert or The Daily Show or Kimmel are doing. They're doing this every night for you know 50 weeks a year. I mean, they take vacations, but like. That's a different game and people have always said that it's you know it's a, just a different type of show yet Oliver always wins writing and always wins in the category show.
0: Right, it really does feel like he should be in a different category.
1: It's funny though. I was sitting near the writers for last week tonight. I mean they bring out like 30 people from that show. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh they give the writers the worst seats. They gave them they gave them like the top levels. And uh, and they just go completely crazy. And there's like a little rivalry amongst the different show writers, which is kind of fun.
0: So who do you think kind of incurred the most amount of industry barbs at the show?
1: It's funny because there's always jokes at people's expense. You know, the host, it's funny because Keenan said in pre-show interviews, he's like, oh, this is going to be the nice guy award show. I'm not going to be mean. I'm, You know, we're not going to be like the Oscars. Nobody's going to hit each other. And then he comes out, and I thought some of his jokes at the network's expense, at the other outlets' expense, were pretty barbed. Like he was going after Netflix in particular, and they were very industry specific jokes because if you are a casual netflix user and you do not listen to this podcast or read industry news you probably have no idea that netflix has had stock market struggles or is kind of not the darling that it once was but he gets up there and he's like yeah you know squid game was about people struggling to make money joining the cast next season is netflix
0: Yeah, and he joked that he was going to give the salary he earned for for working at the Emmys to Netflix because they needed it.
1: And there were, like, groans and laughs and ouches and, like, things like that in Netflix. That is not the narrative that Netflix wants. And they they have been the darling of the TV industry for a decade now, and everybody else has been so jealous of them, and now they're getting, like, the poverty jokes at the Emmys. And let's not forget... NBC is not in a great situation either. He made a peacock joke. He did. He did. He did make a peacock joke. But like NBC is considering getting rid of the 10 p.m. hour of prime time because (laughs) they just can't make money on it anymore. So Netflix isn't doing that. Netflix is like keeping their pipeline of content pretty robust. Now, NBC does have peacock, but. Peacock is generally considered the worst streaming service and they have zero growth and they only have like 13 million active subscribers and it's only in the U.S. So like that was kind of a, a, you know, I get why they did it. Netflix has had this like amazing press narrative for the past decade of how it's revolutionary and everybody loves Netflix and it's a great product. Don't get me wrong. I love it too. But for Netflix to be the butt of those kinds of jokes, uh, quite a turn of events over the last year.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really matter though, right? Like nobody actually cares. It doesn't actually make a difference.
1: No, but the industry people matter. That kind of stuff does linger. And if I'm Ted Sarandos, who's been like the king of Hollywood for the past five to seven years, that's not great. You don't want it. The Showtime joke was also pretty brutal. Uh, Keenan said, "Stranger oh, yeah. Things was Stranger Things is hard to watch because it's so scary. Squid Game was hard to watch because it's so violent. Yellow Jackets was hard to watch because it's on Showtime. That was good." <laughs> and that's not what you want either especially you know showtime they just announced that they are now available through paramount plus so you can get it like as a tile on paramount plus they're trying to make it more accessible to people but it is kind of the uh, the also ran long it's a long way from a decade ago when they had homeland and the ceo of showtime said publicly like hbo over meaning yeah. like showtime was now the new hbo and that is not the case
0: are all of the CEOs in attendance typically with Sarandos and Hastings and Chapek and and
1: Zaslav? I didn't see Hastings, and I know Zaslav was not there because his daughter is getting married, but he probably would have been there. Most of the CEOs, uh, they do typically go. Actually, I didn't see, I didn't see Bob Chapek there either. He may not have gone. Chapek was at the Oscars, but uh, he's the CEO of Disney. The, the heads of all of the outlets, the networks go. So like one level down from that, they're all there. They're all in their tuxes and they're, you know, congratulating their people. And I went to the HBO Max and HBO party after the show. And most of the corporate executives were there, um, you know, the heads of all the divisions, not just HBO, but like the head of CNN was at the HBO max party. Um, They had a lot of their corporate executives. The CFO was there. So they do, it's, it's not just for the talent. This is an industry event as well.
0: So what was kind of the moment of the night? What was everybody talking about at the HBO max after party?
1: Uh, I mean, there was an HBO party, so I think Jennifer Coolidge's little shimmy is probably <laughs> probably the moment. You know, at the party though, the big moment was when Zendaya showed up. I mean, I think people kind of like bow down to her. And the stranger, the uh, Euphoria people had a little like cool kids table in the back corner, so they were like, you know, the uh, that that area was the place to be. Um, for me, the White Lotus people, I talked to Mike White for a little bit, and like that was awesome. I loved that show and. Uh, Daddario was there, love her. And a lot of the, the white Lotus people were just kind of hanging out that for me, that's the fun of that party. The HBO party used to be this like thousands and thousands of people at the Pacific design center, just like everybody in Hollywood. When it was like a block party, they've since made it a little bit more exclusive. I think it started in COVID and now they kept it and it's at San Vicente bungalows, much smaller venue. And they just really try to make it talent and they invite media and executives and it's a great event. Like it's, it's, you know, when you, when they have such a dominant night like that, you can really feel the sense of bravado, um, coming, you know, they own the night, they own Hollywood for the night. What
0: is like your mindset when you go to those after parties at the bungalows? Are you, do you have a goal in mind? Do you want to talk to certain people? Or are you just kind of mingling and seeing where the night takes you?
1: Sometimes, sometimes I have like a person I want to talk to. I'm a little different. I'm not trying to get quotes, or like write up, do a party write up. Like a lot of these outlets, they're invited specifically so that they will write about how great the party is and about you know who is talking to who. And depending on the outlet, if it's a celebrity outlet, they're you know tracking which stars are talking to which stars. And if it's an industry outlet, they're talking about the executives. I'm not like that. I'm just there to talk to people and kind of see what the mood is and try to get ideas for what I might want to write or talk about. And for that, it's great because everyone's there. Everyone, you have access to anyone you want to talk to, and um, and that's that's kind of my my mo at those parties. Also, the sushi bar. Ooh, I will find the sushi bar at every single party, and I will just park myself. <laughs> that's a good way to talk to different people too, because everybody's <laughs> coming up to it. I bet exactly. And this was this one did not disappoint. Excellent sushi. Uh, what was the worst part of the night, in your opinion? Oh, God. I mean, besides the breakdancing TV theme songs? Yeah, that's up there. The Kia ad was bad. So the Kia ad, let's talk about that. Because in the room, I didn't really know what was going on, except usually when they go to commercial on these shows, the lights come up so everyone knows that they can get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink, start talking to people, whatever you want to do. But when this was going on, the lights were still dark, and then there was this weird sketch going on I think, with people in a car, I, it, and I couldn't really see it. I thought maybe it was a bit. And then all of a sudden, it went to this Kia commercial, and then the lights still didn't go on. So I was like, wait, it's an ad. Shouldn't we be up walking around? So clearly, it was like integrated marketing. They like yes. sold yeah. it into the show and promised that it would be part of it. So they didn't let us get up during that commercial. It kind of sucked. Yeah, because they they wanted
0: you to think it was a part of the show. Because then after the Kia ad ended, it it cut to commercials. So
1: uh, awful, awful, awful.
0: Two minutes long of just um, an awful sketch that did not land and was bizarre. And they showed it airing inside the Emmy theater, which was weird. They showed it on those massive TV screens playing. Uh-huh. At they're the like end.
1: they're like all of these fancy people are being subjected to this ad. So <laughs> yes. you shut up. <laughs>
0: Okay, so before we get out of here, what do you think was the best moment of the night? What was the opposite of the key ad?
1: I always like crazy moments that you can only see on award shows, <laughs> like those things that get memed or you know uh, become controversies that last for a day and everybody freaks out. There were no real controversies. I saw Kimmel getting dragged a little bit for interrupting the Quint no pun intended speech. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I, there was no real controversy. It was, the show was so safe. Nobody you know, nobody did anything really that we're ever going to talk about more than a day after. I really liked the Cheryl Lee Ralph speech. Uh, She's the Best Supporting Actress winner for Abbott Elementary, and she's a big Broadway person, you know, uh, Tony winner singer she did. She went up there and just started singing a song, uh, which I later Googled was by a a jazz vocalist named Diane Reeves. And it's just like the people, the reason we watch award shows is for the emotional moments. This is like the best night of these people's lives. And you get to see them exhibit real emotion for winning these awards. And that was an example of real emotion. Same with Lizzo when she won. I mean, that was like, she's already a big, and like that you know that's a little bit different but it was great to see her like actually really care and just crying and getting up there just being great it's just like when people show emotion you love that and that's why it's so strange that these shows play people off like i can think of 20 different things to cut before cutting jennifer coolidge and her speech like you don't want to see what this clearly crazy person is going to say when they get their big moment. That's why we watch the show. That's all anybody wants to know is
0: what these people are like. They want to hear them speak. They're used to seeing them act in a show. They'd like to see what they're like in real life.
1: Totally. It's like, this is Stifler's mom. This yeah. is like the, the woman from the Christopher Guest movies. Like, you've known this woman so many years. You know, she's kind of kooky. Her character on that show is very kooky. What's she going to do? And they like play her off so that we can watch a Kia ad or watch, you know, breakdancing Brady Bunch characters. Like, that's not, that's, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of why we like these shows.
0: And also, what was it with the playoff song? It was like a pop song. I don't she was, know. It wasn't the classic kind of orchestral tune. It was like more of an upbeat kind of pop song.
1: Yeah, and people were tweeting. I guess when they had some bizarre musical choices, when they, when they, the succession guy was coming up to the stage, they played like "Shake Your Booty." Well, also Zed. Do you know Zed? Are you familiar? With I do Zed? know Zed. Yes, I do know Zed, the DJ. Talk about the
0: easiest paycheck of all time. They, they yeah. could have gotten anybody to do that. He just hit Spotify's Discover Weekly playlist every time somebody walked up on stage.
1: I know. It's it's insane. They did that with Questlove at the Oscars a couple of years ago. They had him DJ. It's like, really? Okay, I'll take the check. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the the whole presentation of this show. the show. The, who was the comedian who was like the quasi heckler voice in the, oh, rafters. the MC
0: from above. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know her until this it's like, show.
1: stop, stop trying to be cool. This the, these are award shows. They are not cool by definition.
0: Yeah. It just feels like they're half in and half out. Like they're not fully committing to the bit, which then makes the bit not land. It never works. It never works when these, when these shows try to skew young.
1: Yeah, we are. We, exactly. You just got to kind of roll with it, know what it is. And that's why of all these shows, the Golden Globes is always the funniest because it knows what it is. It knows these things are a joke. They have people like Ricky Gervais up there just yeah. like talking shit about the show that you're watching. And you just want to see celebrities hanging out and like being fabulous and showing emotion when they win.
0: Yeah, and I also don't mind like if if the only comedy you want to insert in the night is Molly Shannon and Vanessa are doing a bit, and and Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers doing a bit, and Martin Short yeah. and and Steve Martin do like that stuff is all fine to me. Just do those
1: and then continue on with the show. That it works. And Pete Davidson clearly being super stoned.
0: So he was dressed apparently. I don't know if this is true exactly like Kanye West at a former event. I, f- I forget which one. I don't know. If with was those like sunglasses? Not the sunglasses, but his like kind of uh monochrome like gray jumpsuit thing
1: listen you're a buy on pete davidson i am a sell so you got to own that he's your guy he's not going away i know that he's like covid <laughs> well he's got an nbc sitcom so maybe he will be going or is it peacock i don't know we'll <laughs> oh see. that's true all right good luck to pete davidson good luck to the emmys until next year hopefully i'll have a better seat let's move on to the call sheet my daily prediction craig uh, are you aware of this movie barbarian I am but I am terrified of
0: scary films so I probably won't see it.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like feels like almost an elevated horror movie. Uh Sean Fantasy loves it. Mm-hmm. Ringers movie expert so it's a little bit better than your average slasher movie. Opened with 10 million this past weekend uh which surprised me a little bit. It seemed seemed high given that Uh, nobody's going to movies right now. Maybe that's part of the reason why it did so well. Uh, But my prediction is that because of the buzz around this movie and the fact that there is literally nothing else, I think this is going to be a quiet little hit for September. Um, Horror movies tend to do better in the fall, and there's not much out there right now coming. So my prediction is that Barbarian is going to be the sleeper horror hit of the fall.
0: Do you see this becoming, you know, a kind of a, a niche phenomenon like a Midsommar or a Hereditary or something like that?
1: I don't think it will do Midsommar numbers because it just, I mean, it's already open, and ten million is not what those films open to. But I do think that we don't have much in the horror genre until Halloween ends in mid-October, so it's got a nice little runway, and I think it's going to play. I think this is like something that people, especially young people will talk about. It's weirdly a Disney release. It's coming from the 20th century studios label, which was formerly Fox. And they like bought this movie. It's kind of an odd pickup for them, but I think they saw that this could be the kind of sleeper that, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, wait, this movie got to 50, 60 million. So I think we got that. And it's directed by this guy, Zach Kreger who
0: used to be on the whitest kids, you know, the sketch group from a long time ago
1: interesting i did not know that um, all right hopefully we hopefully we'll be right and i'll be talking about this movie in a month that is a show for today i want to thank no guests producer craig he's the guest and the producer double duty we will see you on thursday